Welcome to Spark, careers in agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, president at Paulson. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Spark. Today, we're going to be visiting with Jenny Stelmack, and she is currently the Vice President of Communications for American Agri Women. And I know Jenny's got a lot of other things that she does, but I'm actually going to let her tell us that as part of her story. So, Jenny, maybe introduce yourself and let us know what you're up to these days. Okay, I'm Jenny Stelmack. I currently live in Owensboro, Kentucky, and I am a commodities broker and have been for almost 20 years. I am currently serving as the Vice President of Communications for American Agri Women, and I've held that position on the executive board uh, for almost two years. So my term will end um, in November when we meet for our convention in Oregon. So I've been busy lately these days, uh, work-wise, walking cornfields, getting yield estimates, kind of kind of seeing where we are as far as corn crop size here in Kentucky, and how I can best help my clients gaining that knowledge. Well, so I can't help but ask, um, how are the crops looking out in Kentucky? Actually, they're good. Um, we will be, with the exception of a few areas in southern Kentucky, uh, the crop will be less than last year, uh, depending on how significantly, really depends on what area you're in. You know, some will, will be off, you know, as little as 10 bushels, and some more like 30 plus. So, but Southern Kentucky has, you know, set themselves up for possibly a record crop coming out of that area. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, we're always glad to hear someone's having better luck with their crops than we are up here in South Dakota, for sure. Yes. Yes. Well, so Jenny, let's start out by talking about um, how your early life prepared you for the career that you ended up in. Tell us a little bit about your childhood and, and where you went from there. Well, as a child, I didn't grow up on a farm, as you would speak of today. Uh, my grandfather worked in a, a dairy and a slaughterhouse, and my other grandfather had hay and tobacco. But he also had a, he was a mechanic and a full-time job. So I spent a lot of time at both those grandparents' homes, you know, on the summer week, the weekends throughout the year, but never in my life would have said, I'm going to be in the ag field. Even when I went away to college, um, I, I was going to be a dentist and that and 5,000 other things. So I went through college, and one summer I needed a job. And so I had known the gentleman that ran an ag chemical wholesale place here, and he needs someone to do clerical, clerical work. So I said, oh, sure, I can do that. And so I went, and I happened to work directly under a, a lady by the name of Kay Comer. It was a great summer. I very much enjoyed it. And her and I got to talking as it was time for me to go back to Western Kentucky University. I said, Kay, I just don't know what I want to do. She said, well, why don't you go into agriculture? She said, you love the people, you know, you fit well in this business. And I think it would be great. So I went back uh, to WKU and as a junior and changed my major to ag business. <laughs> So that's wow. kind of where it all started. So she, yeah. that Kate ended yes. up being pretty influential in your life. Very much so, yes. Uh-huh, yeah. So 
I wouldn't end up, I know I wouldn't be where I am today without that opportunity to work in that industry and then without, you know, being having the opportunity to develop that type of relationship with Kay, you know, over the course of a summer. Did you say, end up staying in touch with her after that? I actually do. I'm not as often as I would like. I know exactly where I can find her. You know, she lives in Owensboro and is still working for that same ag, you know, company, even though now it's, I believe, three, three steps from being, having the same name, as in it's been sold and turned over, you know, a couple of times. But she's still um, very much involved in that industry. And I always know I can reach out to her, you know, on anything that I might need. You know, sometimes the people that end up influencing us come, kind of come and go in our lives, but it's always fun to hear mm-hmm. someone who the, you stayed in touch with that had such a big impact. Yes, yes, definitely. So was there, you know, you kind of came across that happenstance that you, you know, ended up working there. Was there any other event in your life that was kind of pivotal in where you ended up? Well, honestly, yes. Um, I, the gentleman that ran, it was Big Rivers uh, Agri-Supply, and the gentleman that was the general manager, his name was Ben Payton. And in high school, my brother is two years younger than I am, and he happened to have this, this friend named Richie Hayden. And believe me, Richie Hayden circles back into my life much later on. Uh, but so I knew Ben, and that was the way that I got the job, What was by approaching, you know, him, by having known him from his son, spending, I feel like, nearly his entire high school years, you know, at our house. And so knowing him, I went, you know, to him and asked. Oh, very good. But it was because of your brother knowing, essentially knowing his son, being in school with his son? Yes, yes. And fast forward, you know, 30 years, and I had been working for that Richard Hayden for almost 20. Oh. <laughs> so, wow. it all came, yes, it all came full circle. <laughs> if you had told me that I would work for Richie Hayden when we were in high school, I would have said, absolutely not. Because <laughs> every time I come home on a weekend, he's in my bed when he's supposed to be on the floor in my brother's room. <laughs> yes. So, I'm like, get out. I need to go make the donuts in the morning. I need some sleep. So, Yeah. <laughs> Very interesting. So you never know. I'm telling you, you never know. In high school, college, who's going to come around again? So. So you are so true. That is so right. Because if you burn any bridges ever, you never burn a bridge. Do not. Do not. You know. Just don't come back. Yes. I got to laugh. So you you must have some sort of a tangent there about making donuts that you should probably tell us about. Well, that was my job in high school. Um, I was a cheerleader, and the only and my dad, especially, um, and of course my mom was one hundred percent supportive. When you turn sixteen, you say go get a job because that car is not going to put gas in itself, and I'm not. And that was the only thing I could do, having practice every day after school and games on the weekend. So on Saturday and Sunday mornings, I would have to be at work at three or four a.m. And literally make the donuts. <laughs> yes. When I got off work about 10 or 11, my friends were just rolling out of bed. You know. Oh, man. If then. I said, well, I'm going home to take a nap. I'll catch up with you later. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you had a work ethic. 
that's worse here. than the, that's harder yeah. than the dairy, I would say, Jenny. That's harder than the dairy getting up at three a.m. It yes, yes. But if you ask me when I was little, when Granddad's come, I put back that pickup truck, flies everywhere, and pick up the milk cans. I thought, oh my gosh, how does he do that? You know, <laughs> but yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, so you've already shared a couple of people who, you know, were big, very influential in your life. Who would you consider to have been most influential in where you've ended up? Well, more than a couple of people, when I look at professionally, um, they, whenever I, a job that I had prior to this one was at that same company um, on the Miles Farm Supply XC Genetics side, and a guy that was a salesman there that I came across and we became friends, he later would purchase half of the company that I work for from Richard Hayden and, and came to me prior to that and said, if I buy this company and it goes like I think it will, will you come on a year later? And I said, sure. And so that was almost 20 years ago. So, yeah, Jeff Hunt was a definite influence, you know, because he just, he was the first step in this, you know, in being in this career where I am now. Um, when I look outside of my professional career as in my, you know, involvement in Kentucky Women in Ag and American Agri Women, you know, I look to some ladies that have really, um, you know, influenced me there as I watch them and, you know, ask advice from them. And on the state side, there was Helena Pitcock and Sharon Burgess and Bonnie Tanner and Alice Bassler. And on the national side, it it was our past past president, Sue McCrum, from a potato farm in Maine. And she always believed in me, in American Agri Women, and always pushed me to do more. You know, pushed me to run for the, you know, executive board and you know, pushed me to stay involved and always very, you know, supportive. So those ladies really, you know, helped me build my leadership and involvement in those organizations. Wow. Well, that's a quite a circle of connections you ended up with there. Yes. <laughs> um, and how fun to have yes. someone growing potatoes from Maine to be part of your life. That's really interesting. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. That's good. For sure. So, mm-hmm. how did you manage to balance both of those things, both working full time and and then your involvement in those organizations? Well, discipline. Um, you know, it takes because being a commodity broker, I'm always, you know, first to say it is very demanding, um, especially in the in the way that we operate our business. Because I am 100% responsible for my client base, regardless of time, day, vacation, non-vacation, whatever, I'm responsible. So, you know, I do, I put in a lot of hours, and those hours might be, you know, sitting home at night on a computer, uh, things of that nature. And I'll do American Agro Women work, you know, a lot of times in the evening or in the afternoon, or if I'm slow at, you know, the market's a little bit slower at work and things of that. It's just a balance. Um, And especially with um, American Agro Women, when I came onto the executive board, I told myself it's 30 minutes a day at least or less, you know, check 
check the email at least, you know, once a day. And then so you can stay on top of things, you know, and not get behind. And if you if somebody emails you after you checked it, you know, it's okay. And it's also okay okay to say, I can't I can't get to that right now because I have got to put my professional career ahead of a volunteer, you know, position. I will I will definitely get it done, but it may not be tomorrow. And, you know, they've learned to, because we're all volunteers and for the most part all have full-time jobs. So it's been a work in progress for people to, you know, begin to think it's okay to say that, to say I'm a volunteer and I'm going to have to fulfill my professional requirement and then I will most definitely be back to, you know, doing that. Or my family needs me right now. I, I will do this as soon as I take care of, you know, what I need to take care of at home, so to speak. Yeah, I think you're so right. You just, you have to find the balance and you have to know where to kind of draw the line. Because uh, I think any one of those yes. good organizations can really take a lot of time to do properly. Um, but that's right. It is a balance for sure. But, uh, you know, and, and I think it's yes. actually a good way to think about it because if you felt like, this is going to overwhelm me. You might never step up and think about how much you've learned from those roles that you've had. You know, definitely. I remember nearly two years ago when I got elected, I didn't go to the convention going to run for vice president of communication. Someone had mentioned it to me, but then when I got there and no one was slated for it, and then Sue started talking to me. And then I remember when I got home, I said, what have I done? oh my gosh, can I do this? I can't do this. <laughs> you know, I took a deep breath. I took it, you know, it was like right before Thanksgiving, but the whole Thanksgiving week, you know, yep. to be thankful and enjoy my family. And then I said, yes, I can. You know, I can ask a lot of questions. You know, I can get, I've got great committee members, you know, and okay, if I don't get it right, well, I've never done that before. You know, somebody's going to be there to help me out or, you know, something of that nature. So, and I found that, you know, it's, you know, I'd never written a press release, but, you know, I quickly learned specifics of that. Um, but, you know, so it give yourself the opportunity, you know, to learn, you know, a position like that. Because nobody that gets elected to Vice President of Communications for American Act Women has ever been the Vice President of Communications before. You know, because that's not the way it, you know, the the point of order goes, you know. So it really broadens out your skill set. And I would say having been a person who serves on, um, has served on committees and boards before, that everyone starts at the very beginning and that you have to get over that hurdle of I don't know what I, what's expected of me. And other board members that have been right. there before are going to be like, it's going to be okay. You know, just we were all in your shoes, and we'll help you walk through that. And that can be tremendously helpful. Definitely, yes. So what do you think has been your biggest obstacle, and, and what did you do to overcome that? My biggest obstacle that I have had is, honestly, and you probably hear this, is being a woman commodity broker. Because I was coming in, knew no one else in this type of a, career whatsoever and when it was a very new concept that 
that the group that I work for was putting forth as a means of, you know, marketing for farmers. So, you know, here I am, 28 years old, going into, you know, a farmer's office and try and not exactly knowing it by far everything there was to know about doing their marketing, but also, you know, the older farmer looking at me like, uh, what's this young girl know, <laughs> thinks she knows about anything to do with marketing? You know, I've been farming for 50 years. And I didn't give up. I mean, you know, I just kept, and I had great encouragement from, you know, the guys that I worked for. And But I'm not going to tell you, it was hard. It was frustrating. But I said, I can do this. I mean, me being a female has absolutely zero to do with my ability to be, a, you know, a commodity broker. Right. I can learn this just mm-hmm. like any male can learn this or anyone can learn it. Yep. And, you know, I kept fighting and fighting and, you know, here I'm still here, you know, and I've seen, you know, other ladies come in to this industry, whether it be merchandisers at you know, grain elevators or things of that nature, I, I run across a lot more, you know, into this industry. And I was always given encouragement along the way by, like, the ladies in Kentucky Women in Ag or American Agro Women or just people that I knew or met. They're like, that's so interesting. I don't know anybody that does that. You know, you're smart. I don't know anybody that does that. So they're like, you know, okay, everybody thinks this is really interesting. It's really hard. But, you know, I, I feel like I had a lot of support, you know, yep. behind them. And, and, you know, just people, I couldn't imagine going back and saying, I, 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 I didn't do it. You know, I was like, no, I'm doing it. No. So I, I would say you, I really don't know very many women who have chosen that as a profession either. And I think that's really one of the things that makes your, you know, this conversation so interesting is I haven't talked to anybody about you know, what exactly is that job like. So I think it would be really cool for our audience if you would describe what you do. What's a day like for you? Okay. Um, it depends on the time of year and the basic, you know, works my job. I, I work for um, farming operations and I do everything to do with their grain marketing. Um, I mean, I transact on their behalf, meaning I'll, I sell the corn, I or the beans or wheat, you know, I take care of the basis, I manage storage, and, you know, we, if we feel the need to do, you know, futures and options positions, you know, we do that, but I'm pretty much taking that part of the farming operation over and becoming part of their farming operation as their grain marketer and um, you know like I said in the last couple of weeks I've been doing client meetings and walking corn because if I, I need to know what do I have in the field to sell so I can work on fall basis exposure and things of that nature and it's also a great time to essentially trap my clients in a pickup truck for a couple hours where I have their undivided attention about <laughs> Combine's about to roll. This is the plan. This is what we've got. Because once they roll, everybody knows that a farmer's mind is on a million things. And if I call and say, your corn needs to go here, here, 
the likelihood of him remembering that once the phone hangs up is, you know, something else. The combine's going to be, something's going to go, somebody's going to call on the radio, you know, something yep. of that nature. Yep. Yep. But it has become, uh, and you know, I don't say, I always, you know, tell people, you know, I'm no price picker. I, I don't know where the, mar- where the market's going to go or what the high is, but I know what makes money. And that's, you know, on each of my farming operations. And that's what I'm here for. And more importantly, importantly to remove the stress of marketing from the farmer and because pro- it is a full-time job. Sure, and probably you, you know, in, in the, the emotion. The, yeah. Oh, very much emotion. Yeah. You know, they're emotionally attached to that crop. I'm not. I mean, I, you know, they've got the blood, sweat, and tears yep. in producing it, yep. and that's why they went into ag. They didn't go into the, the ag to have to watch a, a grain market that trades you know, half the day and all through the night and worry about trade wars and, you know, mac- <laughs> you know the, the macro markets and managed funds and all these things that are now a huge part of the commodities market that weren't, you know, even when I started. Yep. So. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you're right. It is a one person. I mean, you, you need to have, devote your full attention to it. So to think that it can just be like this Absolutely. little hobby that's 10% of your time. You know, I'm not sure that's realistic in, no. in this day and age. So, but what a huge service you do. No, not anymore. Yes, especially with the kind of market swings that we see nowadays. I mean, I remember when I started, if corn moved a half a cent, three quarters of a cent, we were like, big day. You know, today, <laughs> it's nothing for five, seven cents, ten cents, you know, yep. swings like that. In an intercession, in a day, even more than that. So, yeah, that's wild. It's very much. What a yeah. Yes, to say the least. <laughs> okay, yeah. so, so let's switch gears a little bit and talk about mentorship. Have you ever been a mentor? Have you ever uh-huh. been mentored by anyone? Love to hear about that. Well, as far as um, I feel like the ladies that I mentioned prior were my mentors. Okay. And whether they meant to be or didn't, they were, um, and some other ladies, you know, along the line, along those lines. And I think, and it might sound silly to say, your mom was your mentor, but my mom was in the sense of the importance of being involved in your professional organization, not just locally, but nationally, and stepping up to take leadership positions, uh, because that's what she did. Um, and I saw the value in what she did, and she always encouraged me. You know, if I said, oh, I think I'll run for that, but I don't know. She's like, well, why would it? I mean, you can do it, you know. You know what you, you have the passion. You have the drive. Just run for it, you yeah. know. So, and then if I look at, right, have I mentored any anybody? I definitely have in the organization that I've been involved in as they uh, – you know, new members come in, I always, whether they know it or not, I am mentoring them because I'm taking very much note of who is new and who's, you know, never been around. The the importance of the organization, feel welcome, feel like, hey, I need to come back to this. I need to be involved, you know, in this. And currently, I am uh, mentoring one of my 
best friend's daughter that is uh, was very involved in FFA and is currently taking some college ag classes and is very interested in taking an ag marketing class right now. And so she's very much interested and in, she'll be spending some time with me and kind of learning the ropes and she's supposed to trade soybeans for her class. So, you know, we're going to work through and, and um, do that. So... Is she leaning towards being a commodity broker like you are? She's leaning towards she has no idea what she wants to be. <laughs> kind of like every... Oh, yeah. Like, I'm not going to say every. That's not a good thing. Oh. But just like every other 18, 19-year-old freshman in college, you know, it's, it's hard. It's a vast world out there. It is. You know, it's hard to... So many options. Figure out what you want to be when you grow up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. So... So yeah. I'm sure you've probably given her a, a lot of advice during this process of mentoring her. What's what's your best advice that you think you've given her or anyone? Well, well, I say do find where you're find what you have a passion for. You know, if you want to be in agriculture, you know, like I gotta tell her, I said there are so many different. So you need to decide: do you want to be in a sales position and sell seed or chemicals, or do you want to do? data analytics or do you want to be a marketer or do you want to be an agronomist you know if you know you love agriculture if you know you love something find what part of that that you love the most where you don't have a job you know you feel like you have a passion so that's what i always encourage not just her but anybody you know to see and i'm going to tell you that i have a lady in american agriculture her name is rose Tryon. And that's what she always told me, you know, if this is your passion, follow your passion. She was very much, you know, about that message. And to me, I'm like, that's what you got, you know, yes, that is so oh, I love what that, everyone Jenny. should do. Yeah, I love that. Have a passion, mm-hmm. not a job. That's great. I love how you summed that up so yes. nicely. <laughs> oh, that's great. So you've... You know, you're out there watching a lot of the stuff that's really um, pretty fascinating, I think, in ag right now in terms of watching the markets and all sorts of other things. But within your sphere of influence, um, what do you think you're most concerned about right now? The trade wars. Okay. Without a doubt. Um, Because of, you know, I see... You know, I was marketing grain in 2012 when we had a a severe drought. And since then, we haven't had a, what I would call a big crop problem, you know, so to speak. Um, and this year, although it's still out, it's still yet to be determined what kind of uh, we're going to end up with as far as that goes on the crop side. What we had this year that we didn't have at any other time, whether it be 12 or a year past that or anything, that we currently have is a demand problem. And that's not something that farmers are used to, that traders are used to, that really anybody in the ag sector is used to hearing because they always hear that, you know, the U.S. is the supplier, you know, of food to the world and corn and soybeans, which in reality with everything that's going on, you know, with China, I mean, you know, Brazil and Argentina are sending, South America, they're, you know, they're sending more. They're as big as soybean producers, if not bigger than we are. 
Um, so that to me, the demand side that we are under right now, or lack thereof, you know, worries me. I would and agree. The trade wars is one of the biggest no, things. And it's not just China, it's the Canada-Mexico agreement, you know, the new NAFTA. That should have been signed, yeah. you know, months and months, months and months ago. ago. And if you can't yeah. make a trade deal with your two neighbors, who can you do, make a trade deal with? You know, that, that sends up a lot of red flags. You know, the people that would be watching, you know, trade in the U.S. is how come they can't make a deal with the two people that are on each border? So it's important to see that one get you know, fixed as well. So do you think that the that the demand issue goes beyond just the trade war issue? Is there just a fundamental yes, lack of demand? Or maybe I should say we're too good at growing crops, at producing? Well, we definitely have, um, you know, had several record crops, you know, for a couple years. And, you know, South America barring, not this year, last year, the year before, you know, they had a smaller crop, which pulled more demand back to us. Um, but that it's not just, I don't, I don't think that we can say we're too good at it, but it's not just trade. I mean, like ethanol, you know, giving out ethanol waivers um, to the, you know, the, re- the refineries and, you know, all that does is cut the corn demand, you know, to ethanol. So... And that's something that we don't need in in this type of environment or really any environment in, in production agriculture. So yeah. I don't think, and I fully believe that hybrids have improved, and, and I think this year will show it probably in what you would have thought to be a disaster, you know, will turn out way better than anybody would have thought in May. So, yeah. We definitely have the potential to overproduce. Um, so, and our soybean stocks show that with the magnet- massive amount that we have, you know, on hand. Yep. So, and I mean, the, the avian swine flu issue in China has also caused a hurt to demand because even if we didn't have a trade war with China, their need for soybeans is down drastically because of the drastic you know, de- um, decline in their uh, number of hogs. So, yep. and I've heard what we're feels you know, like we got a lot working against it. Well, yeah, uh, what we know about that, I think, is not. You know, we're not seeing even the half of what probably has happened over there for devastation. Exactly, yeah. as typical from China, you never really know exactly what's going on over there. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. Well, so when you have stepped aside from your career, what? What's one thing, Jenny, that you hope people will say about you? That I had a passion and true um, care and concern for the clients that I worked for. Nice. That I always kept their best interests in mind and was always honest and truthful to them. Well, I can see how what you do um, is so important to their operations and that the amount of trust that they have to have with you. Um, it's a yes. pretty, pretty special relationship that you've got with your clients. That's pretty amazing. Yes, definitely. Yep. Yes. So are, do you have any no. other uh, parting advice for our, our audience? Well, I mean, I say definitely 
you know, definitely don't burn any bridges. Remember that. Not at all. Um, along the way, and keep true to yourself and what you want to be and want to do. But I'll, but make sure, make sure you keep true to yourself. Well, that is very, very good advice. And I'm, I'm going to go back to what you said earlier about having a passion instead of a job. And I think that, you know, if, if our audience doesn't take away anything else from this conversation, I hope they remember that because that's wonderful advice. Definitely. Yes. Well, thank you, Jenny, so much for being on our program. And that wraps up this episode of Spark. And I hope our Spark audience will join us for our next episode. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.